smells like football, baby. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Jake Rip. You can find me on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. This is, is typically where I would introduce my co-host. You know him, you love him, but Kyle August is not able to be with us tonight. Luckily for me, luckily for us, at the Dynasty War Zone, we do not have a shortage of fantasy football experts named Kyle. Uh, folks, if you are subscribed to the Dynasty War Zone, as you should be, then you're already familiar with this guy. He is on Twitter at DWZ underscore Dr. PT. Please welcome to the show, Kyle Balzer. And Kyle, I should have asked because I'm sure I just botched your last name because I know I heard it on uh, on Memphis's show. Is that it, Balzer? Balzer, you're, you're the only person to ever pronounce my name announced to public people correctly. Um <laughs> Man, you know, I've, 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 t- I've taken that my entire life with the silent H on the front uh, uh, on my name. So uh, yeah. so I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, that's so funny you say that. I mean, uh, my 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 boss and mentor, he's still introducing me as Dr. Bowser, uh, my old clinical instructor. Same thing, Dr. Bowser, my uh, lacrosse coach at Western New England for 10 minutes was I was Kyle Blazer. And I said, Ooh. I said, coach, no, it's balls. He goes. No, from now on, it's Blazer. Um, so to finally have somebody get it right on the first try without me ever saying it to you, um, that's, that's you know, kudos. Also, you call me an expert by accident. Um, <laughs> I'm an expert maybe in physical therapy. Even that's probably a stress. No, uh, if there's actually, you know, if, if there's anything that got me into fantasy football, like I was, I'm a redraft guy through and through, just recently have gotten into Dynasty. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about redraft this early in the season, but I'm excited. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, big, I'm big shoes to fill, but I'm the same way, man. I've always been uh, very redraft oriented and then I only got in, into dynasty a couple years ago, but that just kind of seems how it goes. Like when, when you become one of the diehards in fantasy football, you do redraft, but you, you got to have that year round stuff and, <laughs> and dynasty just kind of follows after that. But uh, yeah, you got to go back to your roots every once in a while and get those uh, seasonal draft takes, you know? Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. And it's funny now that, uh, it, it used to feel like there was so much time between seasons when I only did redraft. And now that it, there's so much to talk about in dynasty, you know, leaving the playoffs and then going into the draft. I don't know if just it, I, time goes faster every year you get older, but I, I, I would also say going from a redraft player primarily to some dynasty that might speed up time. So be careful folks. I'm, I'm going to thank you again for coming on the show because we talked about it a second before, before we got on here, but this was totally not planned by Memphis and I. We weren't like, oh, we're going to make sure we go all Kyle this week. Kyle's <laughs> taking over the Dynasty War Zone. But you, you came through in the clutch on both shows being able to fill in. So uh, Memphis and I both very grateful for that. Of course, and hopefully at least some of my takes are good. So it's a net positive for everybody because if I show up and you know lay a dump on all of you, then, then what's the point? <laughs> You know, I did make a note here, though, because I was listening to your show with Memphis, like I said this morning, and you guys were talking about this FF fitness movement that's taken over Twitter right now. And I'm totally behind it. I think it's awesome that people are doing it. But I, I just wrote one note here just to, so I can make sure I covered it. I just wrote kettlebells. <laughs> I see these videos of you on YouTube, and I know you're the medical professional here, so you tell me. But I yeah. feel like if I do that same maneuver that you're doing, I'm, it's like I'm intentionally trying to rip my arm out of the socket or something. So uh, is that something that an unexperienced person could do, or am I am I out of my league if I just start going for it like that? That's probably not your uh, – that move shouldn't be your introduction to kettlebells. <laughs> um, if it is, you either have impressed somebody very mightily through the door or they are not a great kettlebell coach. Um, yeah, I'm the medical professional, but also fancy myself a fitness guy. You know, part of part of my specialization is that I am uh, very capable of working with very active, in, you know, including professional athletes, uh, very impressive weekend warrior athletes, and helping them, you know, progress their training, but also modify their training based on their bodies and pain and whatnot, uh, or, or surgeries, whatever it may be. You know, if somebody, somebody tears their ACL this week, has surgery next week and wants to see me the following week, we'll have a game plan for upper body training and lower body rehab. 
It's probably not going to involve anything close to that kind of kettlebell training. I don't <laughs> no, no, but we can get you there quickly. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not that way, but oh wait. I, I did make a note here. I wanted to talk about this because I didn't get a chance to with Kyle August uh, since the last time we recorded. But what do you think about San Francisco moving up to the third overall pick? I mean, they're talking about all this nonsense with Jimmy Garoppolo's our guy and he's our starter. But I think we all know that they didn't move up to that spot to take a wide receiver. No, and if they did, then that goes against everything we've really seen with San Francisco the past few years. They they generally, eh, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit. We know that Kyle Shanahan is up there in the, you know, maybe not the top tier of coaches, but that second tier. Um, you know, we did see with them last year that if they if they get injured a bit, they're they don't necessarily have the depth. Um, they talk a lot about it on the the GM Shuffle podcast about you know they're. The way they play defense, if they don't have all their guys, it's it's a lot of holes. Um, so I don't want to give their their GM and personnel decisions too much credit. Um, but I would be, you know, if they moved up to three to not grab a quarterback, then I I know nothing. I, I will just like stop trying to guess, and we could all stop doing mock drafts forever. The latest speculation kind of makes sense. It looks like uh, Kyle Shanahan he went down to Alabama's pro day. Um, I hear hear they tried trading up with uh, Atlanta or with Cincinnati. Like they were kind of in that zone where they knew they weren't going to get guy number one. They knew they weren't going to get guy number two. But if all that's correct, then it sounds like their guy that they're going after is Mac Jones. Uh, If that's the case, where are you on Mac Jones as it pertains to the rest of the quarterback class this year? I mean, I get, first I want to say like, I get why people think that if they're going to Mac Jones pro day, why Mac Jones might be their guy. But I could also see or understand the narrative. Okay. If they've seen enough of Justin Fields this season to know that, okay, he's likely, you know, our, they're, they're picking third, so they can cross guy one and two off their board and they have the rankings. Their third rank guy could still be Justin Fields, but you know, think of it, you know, I don't know if you have any managing experience or hiring or firing experience, but if you know that you have access, like if you know you can hire uh, person X and you know what they're capable of, then why not kick the tires on players, you know, A, B, C, D and see, just make sure, like, make sure we're not missing anything here. So, you know, if, if you don't think Mac Jones is the guy, somebody was talking about the, the odds of guys being the third player off the board. Mac Jones has leapfrogged everybody and he's the, the favorite now. Like now's the time to bet on, you know, Justin Fields if you think he's it. And I'm, I might, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. It would, it would be wild. But I mean, if Mac Jones gets drafted third to the 49ers, that's wheels up, man. Yeah. You know what? I swear it was even a tweet that came from you. And I wish I would have bookmarked this, but you said something along the lines of like how anything can happen. And oh, you know what? It was, was it you said something about Daniel Jones and uh, Haskins? Like that was blasphemy yeah. or something like that when it happened. Yeah. And you're really yes. right. Like this, we all have our expert opinions and, you know, quote unquote expert opinions and consensus opinions. But at the end of the day, I mean, no one knows what's going to happen or no. what the right or the, what the right pick is for that matter. Yeah, exa- yeah. I mean, even we could be so upset that it ends up being, you know, what if they go Trey Lance third and we're like, what? They picked Trey Lance over Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And then two years from now, we're like, oh, may- maybe that was the right pick. You know, that's very much in the outcome. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's get to the uh, meat and potatoes of today's show. On today's episode, Kyle and I are going to be planting our flags on a handful of players that we are calling our dream teams. These are players that, for one reason or another, we are likely higher than consensus on come draft season. And, in fact, I would say that every player that we touch on is probably going to be an absolute steal at their ADP come uh, come draft season and summertime. But I'll get it kicked off because – another one, I'm just a terrible host, by the way, because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't tell you that I'm not going with the guy that I told you I was going to go with. I originally wrote down that my quarterback was going to be Kyler Murray. And I thought about it, and I love Kyler, but that was going to be just way too easy. So I, I skimmed down the rankings a little more, and I said, you know what? I think I believe in Baker Mayfield, man. Ooh. I was feeling dangerous this morning, and I, I decided I'm going to go get me some Baker Mayfield. But listen, I think he is going to smash whatever ridiculously low ADP he ends up having this summer. Say what you will about the guy, but he played some 
lights out football is some brilliant games this season. Just a few of his game logs I have written down here, 300 yards and five touchdowns, a 78% completion percentage against Cincinnati, uh, 330 yards, four touchdowns, 75% completion against Tennessee, 344 and three against Baltimore, 302 touchdowns and 84% completion percentage against the Giants. Now, the biggest issue is that outside of those games where Baker really stepped up and showed us what he's capable of, he was like pretty mediocre, at least for fantasy purposes. Keep in mind, keep in mind though, that wasn't so much like poor quarterback play as much it was like uh, just Cleveland's run heavy game script and having the best running back tandem in the league. He also didn't have Odell Beckham for uh, for half a season. He was stuck thrown to Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, but Cle- Cleveland's one of those teams that I'd like to see add another option into that offense. Another solid target for Baker, I think, would be like just, just what he needs to ascend to that next level. He's already got that sweet offensive line around him. He's got a couple solid targets, but if, I mean, and maybe all I'm asking for is OBJ to just be healthy for a full season, but something to that caliber where they don't just have to lean on the run and they can trust Baker to go out there and sling it. Um, I probably need to see a little more consistency from him before I'm going to come out on this show and say Baker Mayfield QB one, but <laughs> I, I, I'll take him right now as a rock solid QB two in a two quarterback league. I'd take him as my second quarterback and I'd be comfortable with that. Sure. Uh, so before you tell me your dream team quarterback, why don't you give me your thoughts real quick, real quick on a uh, Baker. Do you think my dream team's already screwed? <laughs> I don't think it's screwed. And the fact that you prefaced it as potentially two quarterback league and he's your QB too. I like that. That makes a bit more sense. I've only ever played. Actually, I think I've done one two QB redraft league before, but otherwise I'm, I'm a one QB redraft guy. So I'm like, you know, most guys I, I'll, I'm usually the 12th quarterback uh, picker off the board in 12 teams. Sure. Um, the only thing I would be, uh, you know, you talked about consistency um but as a qb2 like those booms are going to win you more weeks than than your bust probably for his value because it's going to allow you to really excel at other positions or or beef up at running back or wide receiver um but uh you know if they if they really shore up their defense and they're playing from ahead a lot more that would be my only concern is game script allows them to just lean on you know potentially a healthy kareem hunt and nick chubb for a season um but otherwise i think I don't, I don't think he's got enough sexy behind his name at this point where you're going to have to pay up for him. Um, and I guess speaking of sexy, I'll, I'll go over to my QB, and he All is right. he is the anti-sexy. But I am going with Daniel Jones. Um, uh, he could be a we, little sexier this year. I, I And I think he can. And in this, you know, the – the mobile quarterbacks are like, it's just becoming more and more quarterbacks these days, but it's like, we all focus on, you know, okay. We all know what Lamar can do. We all know what Josh Allen can do. We know what Kyler can do. Jalen hurts is going to be the sexy one that people are, you know, probably reaching for unless we see the Eagles do something crazy, which I don't think they will. Um, now that they've moved, did they move back and no, the dolphins moved back and then up, but so the Eagles first pick is now 12th instead of in the top six. Um, but Daniel Jones, uh, Daniel Jones rushed the ball. He had 65 rushing attempts last year, and that was with missing two games and getting injured in one. So basically he had three goose eggs. So 65 carries over 13 games. My man's averaging five carries a game and that, that gave him over 400 rushing yards. And so you want to talk about, you know, like consistency or safety with your quarterback, having a little bit of a rushing floor, you know, if your guy is averaging you know, 400, uh, the, the way I compute it is like, how do you compare a rushing quarterback to a guy like Tom Brady, who's pretty much a pocket passer, just convert his rushing yards into the potential for touchdown points. So you got 42 rushing points, that's seven touchdowns in a six point passing league. So all of a sudden, if Daniel Jones only throws 24, which is a reasonable number, that's middle of the road these days for this, you know, high, high powered passing league, you know, that that's ultimately uh, 30 touchdowns. Plus we haven't even counted his rushing touchdowns, which he only had one last year. Could have been two if he didn't get tackled by the 15 yard line. Um, but you know, we know they use him in designed runs, so there's going to be some safety there. And it's not like he's a, he's not a, a scrambler who takes hits. You know, he wasn't injured because he took a bad hit. He, uh, you know, I just 
pulled a hamstring. Like that's, that's not necessarily something that, you know, they have to worry about with keeping him healthy. Obviously you don't want that, but you know, he's a bigger guy and we saw he's got wheels, you know, 21 miles per hour. That's no joke for a quarterback. Um, and then with adding Kenny Galladay, they have a true alpha wide receiver in there. Uh, Evan Ingram, you know, he gets, he gets hate and, a lot of it is justified at you don't this gotta, point. You don't got to convince me. I'm probably the biggest Evan Ingram guy on DWZ. Got to be. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So, I mean, he, he's not my tight end. We could talk about – we could pivot quickly. But Evan Ingram had, like, a sneaky 100 targets last year. But, you know, he had a case of the dropsies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Daniel Jones could have could have easily had a much better season. He's going to get Barkley back, presumably – you know, he's a running back. So let's call it for hopefully 14 games, you know, 16 or 17 would be great, but you know, we, we won't fault him if he misses a game or two here or there. That's just, you know, that should be all work horse running backs. You know, you should bake that into their price at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm planting my flag on, you know, in, in 12 quarterback or uh, a 12 team, one quarterback league, I'm probably going to have a lot of Daniel Jones. Um, and if I'm doing a, a super flex or two quarterback, you bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to have Jones as my QB too. Yeah. And to be clear, I would prefer Daniel Jones to Baker Mayfield, like Daniel Jones right now, or his situation is kind of what I want from Baker Mayfield, like how they came in and they added that Kenny Galladay. That's what I need to see Baker get. But I I mean, the way it stands right now, that offense looks like it's going to, it's, going to be lights out next year like I I hate to come out and just be so optimistic about the Giants offense but with Saquon in the backfield and Kenny Galladay is the primary target now in that offense maybe that does take a little pressure off Evan Ingram and he doesn't have to focus so much when that ball is coming at him but yeah um yeah I I'm very optimistic about the Giants offense and Daniel Jones I think that's a great choice cool Uh, so how about let's talk to running backs. You and I exchanged our list and we crossed paths in two spots and one of them was the running back position. So I know that you are optimistic like I am about Joe Mixon, who in the fantasy community right now is kind of a polarizing guy, which is weird because it seems like there's never been a better situation for Joe Mixon. It's like since since Joe Burrow went down, that really emphasized for people how bad the Cincinnati offensive line is. But they've had a poor offensive line going back to 2017. Uh, through Mixon's first three seasons, PFF ranked their offensive line 25th or worse in run blocking. Through those same three seasons, he played in an Andy Dalton-led offense that couldn't win more than seven games in a season. Sorry, Bears fans. It's probably not going to be all sunshine and rainbows next season. But I, I can't emphasize enough the importance of just having a good quarterback who can manage the game. I mean, look what happened in in Dallas when uh, Dak went down. Zeke's production just completely tanked immediately. And I know they had offensive line issues, but Dak just played a huge role in that for me. And um, but but now with Mixon heading into 2021, he's got Joe Burrow leading the offense with an offensive line that's already improving. They signed. Uh, Riley Reef last week. Now, now people are out on Joe Mixon. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, now, even with Cincinnati sitting with that fifth overall pick, no matter what they do, it's going to end up benefiting Joe Mixon. If they take uh, Penny Sewell, that, that, that's fantastic for Joe Mixon. If they take Jamar Chase, that's good for Joe Mixon, man. It's going to increase. It's going to elevate the entire offense. Same thing if they went for Kyle Pitts. Um, if, if if they draft a, a stud uh, defensive end or defensive tackle that gets the other team's offense off the field more quickly and more frequently, that's better for Joe Mixon. Like, I, so as long as they don't trade away the pick, basically, it's gonna or work. Draft, or draft a field goal kicker. <laughs> Let's not put it past them, but no, this is def- it's definitely a, an ascending offense. I think it's gonna look as good as it has in years. And, you know, last year we were talking about Joe Mixon being a first round pick. And now all of a sudden people are all iffy about it because of the scary offensive line. And, you know, I pointed this out before on the show, but Joe Mixon is just one of those guys who gets over. He gets overlooked being one of those guys who gets all the carries in his backfield. He had an 81.5 percent opportunity share in Cincinnati. That was behind only James Robinson. He was the only running back to have a higher opportunity share. In 2020, I mean, Zach Taylor just wants to give the guy the ball. And if that's the case, and if this offense ends up looking better, then I am in on Joe Mixon. And you agree, I'm sure. Absolutely, because his, you know, the the world has overreacted. Like, Joe Mixon, it, you know, 
it feels like he's been in the NFL forever. Uh, but I think he's only 24 years old. Yeah, he'll yeah. be. It looks he'll be 25 at the start of the season. But everybody just you know everybody's had like running back one overall hopes for him for so long that that just feels so far away in his you know realm of possibilities that it's like they don't want to touch him with a 40 foot pole. Meanwhile, you want to talk opportunity, like you said, 80% share. You know, in the six games he played, he averaged 20 rushing attempts and four targets a game. Like, like what else do you want from your running back? Uh, obviously, touchdowns are nice. Uh, and I think that might be, you know, I did end up watching a little bit of Cincinnati play last year. And, you know, I, I don't know what his red zone touches were. It did feel like there was, um, you know, some – odd Giovanni Bernard uh, poaching maybe in two minute drills and inside the red zone, which you don't want to, you know, you don't want to see or hear about, but you know, yeah, I forget who it is. Ben Gretsch talks about trap backs. Um, I forget what trap stands for, but it's basically like guys who only touch the ball between the twenties and aren't used in the passing game. Like you sort of want to stay away from them because they're not getting high, um, high profit opportunities. Um, but otherwise like for what Joe Mixon's cost is going to be like, you know, people are going to be drafting you know, wherever, wherever Najee Harris ends up. They're probably going to be looking at the new sexy, shiny toy yeah. before Joe Mixon. Say, maybe with Etienne and Javante Williams, especially depending, you know, if you – there's people doing, you know, at least best ball drafts right now, probably some redraft drafts right now too. Like now is the time where you can get these guys even cheaper than they'll be come, you know. I know everybody tries to do their drafts like August 28th. Uh for whatever reason, you know, they want to get all of the, the preseason news and injuries under their belt, whatever. Um, but yeah, I love, love, I think Joe Mixon and redraft is going to be good this year. Yeah. I think it's all going to be relative to ADP too, because I was so out last year and as I like, I still like Joe Mixon the same last year, but when we're talking about taking like Joe Mixon or Derek Henry, like that was a conversation at some point and I, I, I didn't make any sense to me. Right. Uh, but if, if we're talking about I can get Joe Mixon now in the second round, then he's going to have that crazy opportunity share and we can make assumptions that Cincinnati is going to be making more red zone visits this year if that offense does improve. Then, yeah, I'll put all the chips in. I'm in on Joe Mixon, man. Me too. Let's, let's do it. Let's double down. All right. Let's roll on now. We're going uh, to talk about another guy I liked here from last year, a rookie. And it's very easy to get caught up in the hype surrounding guys like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers and even J.K. Dobbins is really picking up steam right now in the dynasty world. But man, Antonio Gibson, he's going out there and he's scoring 11 touchdowns with a 47% opportunity share. And what's really amazing to me is those 11 touchdowns, how they all came on the ground. Because Antonio Ooh. Gibson, he was a guy who coming into the NFL was praised for his pass catching. It's why people were skeptical about him being a running back in the league. Oh, he only had 33 total carries in college. What's he going to be able to be as a running back? Well, he showed us that. But what we haven't seen yet is the side that we already know. We already know he possesses that receiving ability, but it hasn't been unleashed upon us yet. If you add that receiving upside on top of he's getting 11 touchdowns in a bad Washington offense, then I, I want Antonio Gibson all day. Um, I remember, do you remember Ron Rivera dropping the CMC comparison in regards to Antonio Gibson prior to last season? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and my, my relationship with Gibson is a little bittersweet because the one share I got of him in a rookie draft in dynasty, uh, I flipped, I flipped it before Peterson was even released. Um, you know, props to my guy who sent out the offer because he was willing to take that risk. You know, Geis was already out of the picture, but Peterson was still there. And Peyton Barber, though he was a, a non um, non non factor, but I flipped uh, Gibson and Ben Roethlisberger for Cortland Sutton, who was healthy at the time, and it felt good because I was not going to be competing that year, and I thought maybe Big Ben would turn to dust. Um, and I thought, hey, why not turn my late second round rookie pick into Cortland Sutton, a nice, safe, sturdy wide receiver asset to to hang on to for another year? And so, and then of course Gibson pops, and I'm like. Uh, I probably should have held him, but at the same time, like I don't want to admit my mistakes. So I don't want to love him, but you bring up some great points, man. With that little opportunity share, he did all of that. And 
Washington is only going to be better this year. They're going to have a quarterback with uh, two healthy legs. No offense, Alex Smith, super impressive. No, um, but that, and, that's an that's an improvement on what they had yeah, before. Like it's, I know. it's say, but in, you know, we we know Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not the quarterback of the future, but this is a guy that can move the chains and keep the offense yeah. out on the field. Which, like you said, that's more than we can say about Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith. Um, but I was going to make a point there with the, how Ron Rivera was taught. He, uh, he, I can't remember exactly what the quote was with the CMC comparison. It, it wasn't anything straight up like, oh, this guy's going to be the next McCaffrey. But uh, don't forget that before CMC was the most valuable asset in all of fantasy football, he was a rookie with two touchdowns to show for his debut season. You know, zero games over 70 rushing yards, just three games with an 85% or more snap share. Now McCaffrey's commanding something stupid like a ninety-eight percent snap share on the season, but you know I'll yeah, go. Was, I'm sorry. Who's the guy? Who was the guy he was competing with in his rookie season? Do you remember? Well, uh, was that Mike Davis? I was gonna say Mike Davis, but I don't. I don't know now. Um, what, oh, you know, or was that? Or was Jonathan Stewart still in town? You know, I didn't. I don't want to say that because if I said Jonathan Stewart, and you were like, no, not even close, Kyle Beck, man, I feel old because Jonathan Stewart. Yes, feels like so long ago. D'Angelo um, Williams, Reggie Bonifon. Someone's yelling at their podcast right now, like, you idiots. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, call me an idiot here on Twitter or whatever. I don't think it's fine. You can make fun of the fact that I only have 190 followers. Not <laughs> offended. Not out there trying to get followers. Just trying to give the ones that have anything to, to learn. Um, we'll find that out. Yeah. Oh, man. It could be... It could I mean, be we're going to see we're going to see Gibson snap share spike in 2021. I, I don't think that that's crazy to say, but uh, like we said, that, that Washington team, that Washington team is going to end up just being so much better as a whole that um, it, it's got to be just nothing but positive stuff for Antonio Gibson. But what I want to see is more receptions, because like I said before, that's the side of his game that we know he possesses. He has that skill set. But, you know, if he really if Ron Rivera does really see the the inner Christian McCaffrey and Antonio Gibson, then I want to see it out on the field. And then we could be talking about Antonio Gibson as a top five dynasty running back and, you know, a guy that you can get get in early on for redraft this year. Yeah, I might be sold. Do you know? So I I didn't actually look at any redraft ADP. Um, I just sort of went with what I thought based on how guys seasons went last season and ended uh, specifically. Um, is there is there redraft ADP you're looking at right now? No, I'm not. But I can some. No, you don't necessarily have to. I'm who are you looking for? No, uh, like like what? Where do you think Antonio Gibson is a value uh, this season? Like late first or early second or late second? We're in a re in a seasonal league. Yeah. Ah, see, that's that's tough when you start throwing around. Where is he a value? Yeah. Um, you know, off, off the top of my head, man. I mean, I I I think he gets into the third round, don't you? I mean, I, I, there's a lot of names, a lot of good wide receivers. Some quarterbacks will be taken. Um, I just don't, I don't know if the fantasy world is ready for Antonio Gibson yet. I just I don't know if it's there. I mean, if Gibson's ADP in redraft or seasonal is third round when I'm drafting, I'm going to have a lot of Antonio Gibson because, you know, I'll talk about my guy next if you want, and they're probably not too far apart. Um, but Miles Sanders, um, I was a a Miles Sanders guy had, had too much of him last year. Unfortunately, uh, just for whatever reason, the Eagles didn't want to use him in the second half. Like they did in the first half, you know, I heard, Heard uh, Mike Lombardi complain about it every week on the GM shuffle as he put the Eagles on the lamb as to, you know, Miles Sanders is, you know, he talks about running backs and then he talks about weapons and, you know, people that were surprised about Aaron Jones being re-signed are, you know, fantasy gurus who think, oh, but like any running back can come in and be an RB1. But these teams see like an Aaron Jones, a Christian McCaffrey, an Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley. These guys are like athletic weapons that you can put anywhere on the field. Um, and, and that's what Miles Sanders is. He has, you know, he can break off anything. The, the Eagles O line was in shambles last year, and he still managed. You know, uh, he had uh, over five yards a rushing attempt, and he averaged seven yards a reception. 
you know, he had the injury bug a little bit. I, I pulled up some splits though. And here's the, here's where we're going to get him for value because, you know, he sort of got similar hate like Joe Mixon last year because he just never lived up to that, you know, top five, 10 running back potential. Uh, but when G so with Carson Wentz, he averaged 13.6 PPR points per game, which is serviceable. That's like, you know, we'll call that like David Montgomery territory pre breaking out the end of the season against that atrocious uh, defensive schedule he faced. But when Carson Wentz wasn't the starter, and I specifically, I used the Rotoviz splits app. Um, and at first I did it like with Jalen Hurts and without. And then I realized there was many games where Jalen Hurts probably played like five snaps or less. Oh, yeah. Um, so when it wasn't Carson Wentz, and there were three games where it wasn't Carson Wentz and Sanders was healthy, averaged 19.5 PPR points per game. Receiving yards went up and receptions went up. Those are the keys. Uh, I don't have, I don't know how his rushing touchdowns were affected, but you know, that's not a stat that you really should be chasing unless it's a guy like, like Derrick Henry is a touchdown outlier. McCaffrey's a touchdown outlier. I could, I would, Aaron Jones is a touchdown outlier. I think Barkley will be if he's healthy. Um, but I think Miles Sanders, like, I think he was getting hate last year, especially because he was injured in the preseason and i think this year you're gonna be able to benefit from that even in uh you know with a new coach with a new offensive scheme um because what we saw from doug peterson in the offensive scheme last year feels like his floor yeah yeah you spoke to the rushing touchdowns a second ago and for what it's worth when jalen hurts came in uh, Miles Sanders gave you three touchdowns in three games, which is what he had all of the all the season prior. So he doubled that in the three games with Jalen Hurts. I mean, you you you, you know you don't, I don't want to say all of the production is on account of Hurts, but how can you not like something something about the guy? Like I guess he just provides uh, just just a different avenue for the offense to take. He's a different thing for the defense to think about. It's a whole other X factor yeah. that isn't Carson Wentz, you know. Well, yeah, and that's, uh, you, you know, we know that, like, so one season of data doesn't give us a lot of information, or three games of data doesn't give us a lot of information, but there's a lot of aggregate data about how running backs perform when the quarterback they're working with is, like, a known runner or scrambler, and it's, they're better. That's why everybody was like, oh, J.K. Dobbins, like, J.K. Dobbins, like, had to be a thing last year with Lamar, um, but, you know, Mark Ingram was still there, Gus Edwards was still there. The only issue there is, uh, you know, Lamar has never been a guy to toss it to his running back, but Miles Sanders gets the benefit of playing with a rushing quarterback um, who targeted him as much as his non-rushing quarterback. So, you know, I think Miles Sanders still has like top five running back upside and he's going to get, he's going to get maybe a little bit of the injury prone tag that Joe Mixon is probably going to get. I got bunny years going. I know we're not live on video or anything, but um, yeah, Miles Sanders, I'm all about it. Yeah, and, and that's another one where I know he's got the receiving skills. Going back to Penn State, he could he could catch the ball, but uh, and you can see in some of these games, I, I love the seven targets, eight targets, six targets, and then everything else is below that. I'd love to see him get the ball a little bit more in the receiving game, and then I would be in a hundred percent on Miles Sanders. Are are you taking Joe Mixon before Miles Sanders right now? I would probably go Miles. They're they're close. Um, I'd probably go Miles Sanders over Joe Mixon right now just because, uh, you know, Mixon's going into, what, his his fifth year. Um, you know, Miles Sanders, I could see, you know, he's going into his third year. Not that, like, there's a third-year running back breakout. Uh, I think it's generally they do well toward the end of the first year, and then we see carry over into the second year. But I think with the new regime in there and the rebuilds, um, that I think he could – he very much could take a step forward – Whereas we sort of know what we're getting with Joe Mixon, like Joe Mixon feels like he's got the safe touch uh, uh, floor, um, but I feel like Miles Sanders offers a little bit more upside. And I used to be like a, a play it safe guy with drafting, and that's nobody. Nobody cares if you finish in fourth place in ten leagues. Like I'd rather finish first place in two, and then you know bottom of the barrel in the other ten because that's gonna net you the profit every time. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because I'm looking at uh, this note you have here that you wanted to talk rookie running backs as being part of your dream team. And I think that says a lot as far as shooting for upside. So uh, if you want to talk about for a second, because you're talking about 2021 rookie running backs, right? Yeah, and and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say like specifically I'm gonna be targeting you know I'm not gonna say I'm targeting Najee Harris. 
I'm not going to be targeting Javante Williams. I'm going to be targeting rookie running backs that are in, um, you know, who talks about it? This also might be something I picked up. I'm a big, I subscribe to Rotoviz. It's one of, you know, they have great articles, Dynasty, Redraft, DFS, yada, yada. And they talk about, you know, teams that have sort of muddy backfields. You just take the cheaper one after, it's like after a certain round, you just take the cheaper of two guys. And oftentimes it is the rookie because you think the incumbent has a, a stranglehold on the backfield. So maybe some of these backfields right now, like, you know, right now in Arizona, it's like Chase Edmonds and people are probably maybe excited about, Eno you know, Benjamin again. But if, you know, if they draft a guy with third round or better, you know, that's more or less, I don't want to give it a hard cutoff, but like third round or better, like day one or two draft capital. Um, and I'll tell you where it's benefited me, especially is one of my leagues is a keeper league where you lose the pick uh, of the, where you kept the guy from the previous season. And so oh, my, my first season, you know, going to take a trip down memory lane when I drafted Kareem Hunt and like the seventh round and Alvin Kamara in the 13th round. Oh. And, and that just led to back-to-back championships and people telling me I was a cheater and uh, <laughs> which just cracks me up like that. Like I wear that as a badge of honor. Like somebody and, thinks that I'm and you, somehow you, cheating that like, they're so mad at how well I did. And you're um, telling people that you aren't a fantasy football expert. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I got, I got a, there's a learning curve with dynasty. I'm getting there. Um, but you know, so that team eventually became a little bit of a, I'll never be a rebuild in that league. I think I'm good enough where I can always buy low on guys and, you know, find the, the diamond in the rough that I'll always be in the mix for the playoffs. But my man, Dan rebuilt well last year and Camara took him to the ship. So props to Dan. But, uh, so two years ago I drafted Miles Sanders. So this is like, you know, people talk about like a Debbie depleted draft. I'll call it like a keeper depleted draft. So I got Miles Sanders in the fifth round. Um, and then this past season, DeAndre Swift in the fifth round. So I'll be going into this season with Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift. You know, Miles Sanders will now be kept at a fourth round because you lose a round every year. You keep him and you can only have him up to three seasons. But if you like, you're going to hit like grab, grab two or three rookies randomly at any point in the draft when you feel like, you know, you could take any position and you're just looking for upside because if you draft three after the fifth or sixth round and one of them hits, it's going to hit and it's going to be a guy like James Robinson, even who was probably on a lot of league winning rosters aside from, you know, he didn't sputter completely at the end, but you know, you know, it takes, it takes skill and drafting and waiver wire to get to the playoffs. And then it's a bit of a crapshoot from there, but um, yeah, skill. rookie running backs, get the skill. ones that you I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say skill, drafting, waiver wire, and I feel like a little bit of patience with these rookie yes. with these rookie running backs. Like especially this year being the best example, guys like DeAndre Swift. It feels like you hung around with them on your bench for one, uh, you know six weeks uh, before you finally got something decent out of them. Jonathan Taylor took a while to get going. Uh, Acres, Dobbins, literally every single one of these guys who not named James Robinson, uh, right? At, at least took a while to get acclimated. Um, do you think that'll be much of the same this year? Is that just a trend? Uh, I think maybe. maybe Would you say? I think I said, I guess it's going to depend a lot on the landing spot. Landing spot for sure. But I, I also think like, uh, you know, we have such short memories. Like everybody is like, and I'm going to bring it up in every podcast I'm on until he hits, but everybody gives Tua such a hard time. Like Tua should have been redshirted last year and he didn't have a real off season. Like nobody had a real off season. So perhaps um, last year was a little bit of an anomaly for when running backs start, rookie running backs start to hit too. As like you know, probably as a coach and offensive coordinator, you want to feel comfortable going into a week one with no preseason games, lots of Zoom practices and COVID protocol. Whereas this year, you know, I think there's still going to be some Zoom stuff, but maybe they uh, resume preseason games and uh, rookies get a little bit more uh, have a little bit more normal off season. A preseason, but that being said, like if they don't like, you know, I'll brag about my move that I made where I sold Zeke for DeAndre Swift and Sterling Shepard, like the week before Swift broke out. I'm like, somebody in the uh, in the the Patreon chat was like, is it possible to like, you know, get younger and compete at the same time? I was like, yes, like it's not going to happen with every trade, but if you make trades like that, like every like you know, think about where running backs are going to go in your upcoming drafts. Like, you know, like somebody wouldn't, you know. 
Like Zeke is probably not worth the 101 right now, or definitely another one, uh, 101 and one quarterback, like quarterbacks aside, like people are probably taking Najee Harris, maybe Etienne and maybe even, um, you know, Javante Williams over Zeke right now, but come week four, when Zeke is back with Dak and, you know, gobbling up touchdowns and active in the receiving game. And some of these guys haven't had a sniff of a, an RB two, let alone RB one week. Like just that's you get them in. You know, now is the hardest time to get picks. It's the easiest time to get veterans in season is the easiest time to get picks and underperforming rookies and get rid of veterans. I think that what's hilarious about that trade that you made is like DeAndre Swift would have been enough for me for Zeke, but you had to squeeze Sterling Shepard out of him. <laughs> as long as you got Sterling Shepard out of the deal, that was worth it. Yeah, and it was really, I was just like, I really wanted Shepard. It was it, like, Swift was like the the side piece. Yeah, and it was like, it, like I sent that out, and I'm pretty sure it was like a smash accept. Like that was the opening offer, and the, this guy was like, yeah, absolutely. And like I'm sure you know Zeke will Zeke will be all right this year. You know, people forget that he had COVID. Like he yeah. had it. He didn't just miss time because of protocol. He had it, and like you know, I've seen it with hockey. Like Mika Zibanejad had an atrocious start, and now he's like put up multiple six point games in in the past two weeks, like no other player, but Gretzky has done that. Um, so it, it, it's real. Like, even if you're in the, you know, that top 99th percentile of an athlete, it's still going to affect you relative to your top 99th percentile peers. All right. Let's crush some wide receivers real quick here on our, our wide or uh, fantasy dream teams. One guy I'm bananas about this year, man. I got to get DJ more everywhere. Ooh. And you were just talking about, uh, how everyone has to have the big new shiny toy and people get bored easily. DJ Moore is a perfect example of that. Everyone is just convinced that he's going to be a 1000 receiving yard four touchdown guy for the rest of his life. But for me, DJ Moore, he, he already took like a huge step forward last season. And I assume that was going to happen with Joe Brady coming in and taking over. But then a lot of people bump more down their rankings when Robbie Anderson comes into town because and people just naturally assumed, oh, Robbie Anderson's going to end up working in the deep part of the field now. And they got Curtis Samuel in the slot. And there's going to naturally be a drop in targets for DJ Moore. But meanwhile, it was DJ Moore who finished fourth in the league last season in yards per reception at 18.1 yards per reception. And Anderson was outside the top 70 wide receivers. But that high yards per reception, that's what allowed Moore to finish in the top 10 in receiving yards for two consecutive seasons, despite seeing 20 less targets in 2020 than he saw in 2019. But DJ Moore, like evolving into this high yards per reception receiver is fantastic. I love it for DJ Moore, except for one thing. And that's that Teddy Bridgewater ranks 28th among quarterbacks in air yards per attempt. He likes to keep the ball close to the line of scrimmage and he's not a good enough deep ball passer to you know, really let DJ Moore hit that ceiling. But all signs point to Carolina moving on. We assume they're going elsewhere for a quarterback in 2021 and it's got a farewell for a guy like DJ Moore. We all like to talk about Allen Robinson, how he's never had a quarterback, but you know, DJ Moore, he's was he had noodle arm cam, Kyle Allen. Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple guys. Will Greer might have had a stint in there. Yeah, maybe a PJ Walker showing <laughs> at, at one point. Jeez. Wow. I, I, I never even thought about it like that. Yeah. Double passes from PJ Walker, but this is a guy who's got back to back twelve hundred yard receiving yards as as a twenty three year old right now. And with like serious target competition too. So, you know, I I wrote down this specific question. I was curious if you had to call your shot today, who do you think's the Panthers quarterback in twenty twenty one? Whew, that is a mm -hmm. tough one. Um, feel, feel free to stew on that one for a second. Yeah, I'll, I'll stew. I'll, you know, I will echo that, like, DJ Moore is. I love him. Um, you know, I would have more of him, it, no pun intended, <laughs> if I, I did, especially in Dynasty, if I didn't flip him for, like, McLaurin and a first this time last year in multiple leagues because I did it in one league. I'm like, oh, let's try this in another league. So it, it worked out twice. Um, but in my keeper league I alluded to earlier, DJ Moore was one of my buys midseason because I could smell like, you know, he, he was going to be fine. Like we knew he was going to be fine. Um, and like, you know, you talk about only four touchdowns. Think of, like how elite has Julio Jones been as a wide receiver for fantasy football for so long? 
and he's like we've never seen him eclipse like some elite touchdown. Amount. Like I don't, my, he's, I don't think he's ever scored a touchdown. No, uh, no, no, definitely not. Matt Ryan has never targeted him while he's been standing in the end zone once. Um, all right, gun to my head, starting quarterback for Carolina. It's vanilla, but I think it's Teddy Bridgewater. Oh um, no! Don't tell I me. That. I, I just I've I got DJ Moore everywhere, dude. I, but you know, it's it could be. Look, if they improve the offensive line, because they have a young defense that they probably I don't think they have to add a lot of pieces on defense, except maybe on the outside. Um, if they can build on this O line, like maybe they add another weapon, but DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and maybe they grab tight end. I don't know. Ian Thomas probably never going to be a thing. I think going into the season, it's Teddy Bridgewater. What do you like? I mean, you think Sam Darnold gets traded there? Do you think they make a big move for the, you know, the troublesome at per, currently Deshaun Watson? Is Jimmy G going to waive his no trade clause to go, or would he approve a trade to Carolina? Um, I'm trying to think what other veterans out there could be on the move. Deshaun Watson was the dream scenario when those rumors first started swirling around, and then people were talking about Russell Wilson moving, and that yeah. has come and gone. Uh, do, do you know what, where they pick in the first round? Uh, no. We're in the middle. I don't think it's quite the middle. I think maybe. Hmm. I know, like Dallas is ten because they're you know they're sort of my team, but now that I work with a bunch of players, like I don't really have a favorite team anymore. I just root for them and my fantasy teams. Um, that's a good question. Let's find out. Man, I'm such a bad Googler. I was trying to do that all quick while you were improvising, and I just sucked at it. All right, here we are. All right, Eighth. so what are we? Let's see. Oh, that sucks. Eighth, yeah. I mean, that's a quarterback, man. That's it. Maybe it's Trey Lance. Um, yeah. But where, where does Denver pick? That's like maybe it's Trevor Lawrence. Maybe yeah, maybe it's Trevor Lawrence. If it's Trevor Lawrence, then go place a lot of bets on like Trevor Lawrence not going one. DJ Moore, wide receiver one for the next 10 years. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Okay, so Denver's nine. So we might see we might see a lot more trading in this draft. Yeah, I, being, being a Falcons fan myself, I've been rooting for Atlanta to move back. I thought they should have struck up a deal with the 49ers. If, you know, I thought what, what San Francisco offered was solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, but who knows? I don't, <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. A lot has to play out in this draft. Yeah. Um, anyway, love the DJ Moore take. Um, he's a man. Like we knew he was great coming into the NFL, and like he's 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 hit the bar every season as far as what you want from a young wide receiver. He just maybe hasn't been as sexy at times, uh, as sexy as people want him to be at times. Like he hasn't he hasn't had like that AJ Brown vibe or DK Metcalf vibe, like these big fast downfield guys where like. DJ Moore, like you watch some of his highlights from last year, he goes up and gets the ball on a double team. Like, oh yeah, he, he's it. He's just you, not six uh, four in it. I think you referenced uh, the guy that's on your dream team a second ago, right? I might have referenced both of them actually. Um, yeah, and I'll touch on both of them quick. I know my digressions uh, <laughs> make these podcasts go way too long. Um, but so yeah, I've already mentioned Julio Jones and Cortland Sutton, like. Cortland Sutton this time last year was like, it was, uh, so I somehow managed to move in one, I moved Cortland Sutton for DJ Moore plus at one point. And, but like really they're, you know, and that plus was three cone. It wasn't a plus much, but like somebody valued him over DJ Moore, like a little over a year ago. I think it was in season two years ago. And this is dynasty I'm talking, but I think they're the same draft class. So I'm you telling know, you, it, your throw-in players are hilarious. Like, we, we can do this deal, but you're going to give me Tariq Cohen. Well, what's funny is that was the one that was, like, he sent it to me, and that was my first uh, season of Dynasty. And I, like, went to everybody, like, Memphis, Twitter, and I was like, is there something I'm not hearing? Because, like, I at that time, I preferred more over Sutton, and the guy offered me Cohen and more. I'm like, I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, but, like, Sutton, Sutton this time last year was, like, the hype. and you know, yeah, he, he tore his ACL, but like, it's, you know, it's 2021, it's not 1995 and he's not a dinosaur. He's going to be going into his third or fourth year. Like, just give me the injury discount now when everybody thinks he's down and out. Um, and like, he was pretty viable, I think with Drew Locke at times, but I don't necessarily think Drew Locke's the guy. And I think he can only get an upgrade there. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think where you're going to be able to get Cortland Sutton, like if we're talking redraft strategy, you know, if you're an early first guy, you're probably you're like, you're getting a running back in the early first. And then at the two, three turn, if guys like Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon or Antonio Gibson are there, you're probably getting one of them. Like, like what if you go, uh, so you're picking like fourth and you get, who do you think is fourth in, in ADP? So it's probably McCaffrey, uh, Barkley, Barkley is Kamara up there. Maybe not because of the Taysom Hill potential, but like Dalvin cook is there. Uh, maybe you like Derrick Henry if it's not PPR, but you're going to get one of those studs. And then at the two, three turn, you know, we can talk tight ends in a second, but what if one of like Kelsey or Kittle is still there and then you get Mixon and Sanders. And then at that four or five turn, you're probably looking at guys like Cortland Sutton and maybe even, so my other guy was Julio Jones, like Julio Jones. Yeah. He, like he's going to get the, you know, he's aging, like get out while you can. Like if you're in dynasty, like it's probably too late for you to get out from underneath Julio, but just wait until in season again, because he put up almost 800 yards in nine games last year. Um, you know, I, I don't see him disappearing from that offense overnight. I heard them talking on the GM shuffle or maybe it was RJ Bell's dream preview about how Atlanta more or less has to commit to all in the next two years because of Matt Ryan's dead cap. It's like, it's stupid. It's like worse than Carson Wentz's was. I think, I think in two years, the dead cap number is like 60 million, but after that it's like under 20. Um, so Julio is going to be around Ridley. Like there's no reason that Ridley and Julio can't both eat in that offense. Um, but I think Julio is going to be the cheaper, older guy. So like, if you can get like, so say your draft, you draft in, you know, top of the first, you're going to get one of your studs. And then at the two, three turn, you can go tight end running back. And one of those running backs is Mixon, Sanders or Gibson. And then four or five, I don't, I don't know. You know, I haven't done the math on how many guys could be gone at, at each position, but like a Sutton or a Julio at that point, that, that just feels, that feels really good this year. I, I love both receivers right off the bat. Um, I can't argue either receiver. In fact, Cortland Sutton was the other guy where you and I crisscross. We both have Cortland Sutton down. And again, no denying the talents of the guy, but the big elephant in the room is Drew Locke. I mean, he yeah. is like, he, he's got to be the worst quote unquote starter in the league right now. And it feels like Denver, they're like, I swear, man, they're a quarterback away from like, making some real noise in the AFC West. As far as accuracy goes, Locke was the worst passer in the league, 57% completion percentage, averaging just 6.6 yards per attempt. Playerprofiler.com, they chart this excellent stat called receiver separation, where you can see that the Broncos receivers actually average the fourth best target separation in the league, meaning the receivers were getting open, but Drew Locke can't deliver the football. Mm. So now that, that just gives me pause because now I wonder, you know, because Jerry Judy, he's another guy who was overshadowed by this mesmerizing 2020 class that we, you know, we can't sit back and appreciate uh, an 850 receiving yard season from a rookie. But <laughs> I mean, it's it's solid considering that he only had a 46% catch rate. You know, he was only able to haul in half of his targets, and I didn't, cr- you know, I didn't crunch a whole lot of Broncos film. But I'm gonna go on a limb and say it was because of poor throws, bad quarterback play from Drew Locke. You know, and, and think about who the other quarterbacks were in that season. Like yeah. there, it was a, a wasn't it a wide receiver in that yeah. COVID COVID game against the Saints? Um, and then who like who was the guy that beat the Jets early in the season? Like th- these are guys like that are significant downgrades from a guy who drew lock downgrades from Drew Lock. My only argument is that you know Drew Lock had a pretty significant rotator cuff injury to his throwing shoulder early in the season. Um, and perhaps it took him a little bit longer to get right. Cause I think he did have, I think he had some fantasy viable games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four, four touchdowns against Carolina, you know, over 300 yards against the Raiders over 250 and back to back. You know, I put up 270 against Miami's Vaunt, uh, yeah. Vaunted defense over and 300. We talked like, about, like, it, 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 I feel like, I just, I feel like it could be there. Um, you know, maybe it's one year, one more year in that offense. Um, 
And who is their offensive coordinator in Denver? That's why I was in on Drew Locke last year. Their offensive coordinator was the previous head coach of the Giants, who did a really good job with Daniel Jones his rookie year. Uh, Memphis is going to be mad at me for this one because Pat I feel Shermer. like – Yes, Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer. Yeah, also, Case Keenum's great – like, Case Keenum, Keenum was an MVP candidate practically yeah. under Pat Shermer. So, you know, it, and for what – like – and you know, you said they're a quarterback away from competing. They're like a quarterback away, uh, but as in like getting rid of John Elway from like being a competent organization. Um, so if even if Drew Locke's the guy uh, and he's healthy going into the season, I don't think I'm that concerned. But like the it, the situation can probably only get better if Drew Locke is healthy and takes a step forward in that offense, or if they move on from Drew Locke and you know, get uh, a veteran with a little bit more stability or, you know, get get their guy in the draft. I have one more receiver I wanted to bring up here. I'm just going to cruise through it real quick so we got some time to talk about tight ends. But CeeDee Lamb is the captain of my dream team. This is the guy that I have been behind since before the draft. He was my wide receiver one. After Justin Jefferson went out there and put up 1,400 yards, CeeDee Lamb was still and is still my wide receiver one. You know, Justin Jefferson went out there playing 86% of his offensive snaps. If CeeDee Lamb had that with Dak Prescott all season, then we'd be talking about CeeDee Lamb as the undisputed dynasty wide receiver one right now, which he is in my rankings. A little, little, uh, wow. uh, little foreshadowing there. But uh, Lamb, he, you know, man, he took the, the normal route for a rookie wide receiver entering the league. Just a 68% snap share, just a 17% target share. Um, and despite the lack of volume and we'll just say subpar quarterback play uh, last season, Lamb was solid. He ended up putting up, what, just under 1,000 yards or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, 935. Yeah, 935. I mean, that's impressive because now this is a guy who's competing with tar- for targets with two pre-established receivers in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. It wasn't the Justin Jefferson situation where he just walks into an immediate Okay, I'm competing with Adam Thielen and then nobody. It was just Justin Jefferson. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, and other Kyle probably isn't going to like to hear this, but I have no interest in a guy like Amari Cooper next season, this season rather, be, just because I know C.D. Lamb is going to be available, I think, a couple rounds later. Again, I'm not sure how early I am on uh, on seasonal ADP. But I feel like as soon as this season, and I hope this isn't too hot takey, but I feel like as soon as this season, C.D. Lamb could overtake Amari Cooper as the guy in that offense. That's how much I believe in C.D. Uh, am I out of bounds, man? You can calm me down if I'm out of bounds. That's usually what Kyle August does. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's too hot takey. Um, I think, yeah, I think if you're talking, you know, value, like, Whoever goes second, like if Cooper goes, then grab Lamb. If Lamb goes, then grab Cooper. Because I think, you know, as far as redraft goes, either of them is going to be a value. Both were great from a PPR perspective before Dak went down. And I don't see that Cowboys defense taking enough of a step forward where Dak Prescott's going to be, you know, kneeling it out anytime soon or running it out with Zeke in the fourth quarter. Um, so not too hot takey, like, you know, you, you want to see what C.D. Lamb can do. Just go Google C.D. Lamb, Minnesota Vikings, touchdown. And oh. just watch the body control. It, it is it is as close to matrix like as you'll ever see in in pro football. Um, and you know, I think you know Memphis preseason last year. I think he was like he could have seen CD Lamb leading that team in receiving. Like he like that's how high he was on him. And you know, he was clearly the wide receiver one, even though the. The Raiders didn't think so, but that's a, a, a different story. Um, so I'm I'm on board. I like it. We'll, we'll see what Kyle can give his opinion on all this next week when he shows up. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Uh, well, let's move on to the tight ends real quick. I felt like the rest of my skill position players were a little bit too chalky or maybe a little bit too easy to say. Oh, like being like, oh, I'm going to plant my flag on CD Lamb because that's hot takey. <laughs> I, so I wanted to mix it up here at tight end and get a player who's not really on a lot of people's radar. Now, as we record this, it's it's still March. The NFL draft has not happened. There's still a ton of things that can occur between you know uh, now and August, September. But as things currently stand, Anthony Ferkser is the starting tight end right now in Tennessee. Is it possible that the Titans go out and draft a tight end? Perhaps. Could they sign someone? 
I would say no one of consequence. I think if there was a, a solid free agent tight end out there that Bill Belichick would probably have uh, swooped in by now and started started the triple tight end tandem down in uh, New England. But didn't you know, didn't they draft two last year too? Like didn't they get yeah, they got Devin yeah. Asias, But I mean, like almost I mean, we could, picks. Yeah, yeah. But we, we know, with Johnu now being a Patriot Ferkser, he's going to be the next man up for the Titans. For those of you not familiar, he's been around the Titans organization for like three seasons. But this past year, he actually did kind of play a bigger role in the offense than a lot of people might have even noticed. Ferkser averaged just one less target per game than Johnu Smith in 2020. You know, this is a Tennessee offense that finished six overall in total tight end targets last season. And if the loss of Johnny wasn't enough for, a, for you know, a target share increase for Ferkser, don't forget that Corey Davis is now out of the picture as well. So, you know, as, as things stand today, Derrick Henry might be the third best receiver on this team behind A.J. Brown and Anthony Ferkser. There's my, hot, there's my hot take of the day for you, Kyle. Yeah, uh, that is hot. That, that's, that's steaming hot. Um, that's that's yeah, what I have to think about. Yeah, I'm not going to go too much in, more into Anthony Ferkser, but I, you know, Kyle and I kind of share the same. Kyle August and I share the same strategy regarding tight ends. It's pretty much if you're going to go all in on Kelsey early in the draft, go ahead pull that cord. If not, then you know a guy like Anthony Ferkser at the end of the draft, I love it. Yeah, yeah, because like, what's the what's the difference in you know a given week between like the tight end eight and the tight end like fifteen? It's probably like peanuts. Um, no, I, I, I like I remember Ferkser. I was pretty relevant, especially in DFS at points last year because Jono was hobbled at times with I think a high ankle and and whatnot. Um, you know, I I love like people are like the the Patriots overpaid for Hunter Henry and Jono, and like maybe they did, but you know, like Mike Lombardi, especially I read his book Gridiron Genius recently, and he talked like four years ago about the future of the NFL being like instead of like you know running backs and wide receivers and tight ends, it's like weapons. And we're starting to see that evolve in real time. And if you think about it, like from a, a money management standpoint, like Bill Belichick got some weapons for dirt cheap. Like imagine if you signed like top, like top wide receivers are not going for, you know, maybe this year they're going for a little bit cheaper, but they're not like, they're not signing big deals like John and Henry. Um, so yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Um, digression. Ferkser, get it, get them. Get them. Get Ferkser. Why don't you tell me your tight end, Kyle? We'll get this thing wrapped up. Yeah, so I'm with you. Like, especially in uh, you know a ten, like ten team league, huge positional advantage to grab a guy like Kelsey or Kittle, uh, or maybe even Hawk this year. I don't think I'm in on Andrews, um, but my guy is uh, Gesicki. I think he's going to be going late enough, or his ADP will be late enough where you can get him, and he's going to have that upside. You know, looking back at his game splits last year, he finished out the season from week nine on. He missed uh, week 14. From week nine on, he had five targets or more. You know, we also saw four touchdowns in that span. We saw some games of 11 targets, 10 targets, seven, six. Um, you know, and that really coincided with when Tua took over. I think Tua is going to take a step forward. Yeah, we saw Will Fuller get it added to this offense. If anything, I think that just takes the top off of this offense. I think that's a great signing for a quarterback like Tua. Like, you know, the safeties are going to have to – they can't stand seven yards from the line of scrimmage anymore. Um, you know, that's going to stretch the field. You know, if, and if, if Parker can stay healthy, if Preston Williams gets back on the field, like Gesicki, like, how, you, you know, it, he's not Kelsey, but his athleticism is, I think, you know, graded as elite. Um, and we saw it at, in flashes last year. So, you know, that full offseason with Tua, I don't think there's any reason for the Dolphins to add a tight end with significant draft capital. They could, you know, in Dynasty, like... Pick I number six. Pick number six, Kyle. Pit, Pitt's number six. Uh, I mean, but, I mean, but, like, if they draft Kyle Pitts, I still don't necessarily think that's bad for Gesicki. And actually, it's probably good for his value because people are going to see Pitts, and then they're going to forget, like, like how bad a first season can be for a tight end oh, yeah. uh, from a fantasy perspective, especially, you know, like Pitts is, he's, he's a weapon. He's not necessarily a blocking tight end. Uh, Gesicki can block, you know, blocking tight ends find their way on the field uh, more frequently, especially, you know, the dolphins, their defense is good. You know, they they might be, they're probably not going to be in like high scoring shootouts. Um, but yeah, Gesicki saw the red zone targets. I, th I just think like, 
in that tier of tight ends. Like he's like people are probably going to be like drafting Irv Smith around there. Uh, you know, maybe Evan Ingram is still still ahead of there. Like Janu or Hen- Hunter Henry, maybe you're going before him. And I think I like I'll like uh, Gesicki at his value over those guys. Yeah, I'll be honest. I love Mike Gusecki, but if Kyle Pitts hasn't been taken and Miami's on the clock, I am sweating a little bit if I have Gusecki <laughs> on my roster. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. But look, look, whatever. You know, we, We've seen two tight ends work in an offense in New England specifically. Brian Flores is a new, uh, new England guy. Chris Greer. Nobody talks about the Dolphins GM. Like, Go Google like Chris Greer, the Dolphins GM. Dude was an intern in new england in 1994 and now he has flipped the dolphins into like people are are like it is fascinating how much draft capital and talent they have and like like so they have assets and they have draft capital and like i don't think anybody could you know nobody knows who chris greer is so i hope that guy gets some some fame this year for good reasons he gets a shout out tonight on uh on the fantasy football smackdown but that is all we've got, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again uh, for tuning into another episode of the Fantasy Football Smackdown. Thank you again to Dr. Kyle Balzer. Pronouncing that right, huh? Nailed it. Thank you again, man. I was so grateful that you were able to make time and give give the people back-to-back DWZ appearances. I know that's not always easy to go in and do back-to-back podcasts, so it definitely uh, we don't take it for granted. Much appreciated, Jake. Well, I'll be on again. Like, you know, absolutely. Next I time we'll, get my reps again. Yeah. Yeah. Next time we'll do it with uh, two Kyles and one Jake. How's that sound? <laughs> can we call it? Can we title the episode two Kyles, one Jake? Two Kyles, one Jake. You, yeah. You, you book it. Absolutely. Uh, again, you can go follow, follow Kyle on Twitter at DWZ underscore Dr. PT. I am at Jake Takes FF. Subscribe to everything DWZ. This is a team of fantasy football connoisseurs that, you know, you heard Kyle say he doesn't give a shit about the followers. That's how, that's the DWZ attitude. They, they are a group of people that genuinely care about your fantasy team. They are going to help you out. Very cool stuff from DWZ, guys. We'll be back now, next week for, uh, for more fantasy football. We'll see you.